following is a presentation of the Black Hollywood Live Network, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. Hollywood Redefined. From Los Angeles, California, streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is Black Hollywood Live, Geek Nerd Tech, featuring a weekly roundup of tech news and gossip. Black Hollywood Live, Hollywood Redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host of Black Hollywood Live, Geek Nerd Tech. Yeah. Yeah. What you know about this, man? Uh, not much about this. Are you serious? Of the G. Are you not an Outcast fan? A group called Outcast out of the. This is from the AT Aliens record, I believe. No. Uh, nah, bro. This is from a Kumanai. Kumanai. Yeah. I'm looking at it right here. Get your, get your, get your. Outcast. Your data right, man. All right. I was going to do my uh, Andre 2000 flow. Hey, man. Andre is one of the best in the game, brother. He is. It is undisputed. Uh, Welcome to Geek Nerd Tech, the show we break down nerd culture tech and tech news from a black and brown geek perspective. Yes, we do. I'm Joe Braswell. I'm joined, as always, by Achilles Shine. Yes, sir. How are you today? I'm good, man. Very, Um, very good, man. Uh, Turn the gangster, man. The turn of the gangster. <laughs> How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm great. I'm, I'm here. I'm ready to jump some tech news. I'm ready to talk about um, the, some 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 Apple stuff. And I want to get into. Uh, I saw Steve Jobs. I know you didn't. No, you didn't. But we can talk a little bit about that. But in the meantime, I want to get into Apple. Apple's you know still Apple stays in the news, man. I just nonstop. You know, it's, the first thing I just want to comment about is that like I don't do you, do we can we recall another time. In our history, that a company is so not only ubiquitous in our pop culture, but that every move that the company makes, from a product perspective, from a anything from from a personnel perspective, from a software perspective, any move that this company makes is news. So I don't I can't realize like GE, like Whirlpool. I mean, like you know, General Dynamics. No, in the history of like tech companies or companies in general, Procter and Gamble. I don't know. Does I, mean, it, I think you've always had. Any company that's been innovative has always been premier in news. When Kodak first came out with their camera, they were the premier one. The Model T first was invented. They were sure, yeah, but I mean, not so, every move Kodak made. Like, okay. you know, we've got a new well processing film. So, you're, are you arguing that every move that Apple has made has been in the news? I think every that, move. I don't know if it's a chicken and egg. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, not I'm, every I'm, move. Not every move, but I mean, it just feels like everything they do is newsworthy. Like they have, they obviously have a PR machine, sort of putting out these stories, but. The fact that we pick up these stories and consume them I is, think it's is a, something. It's an unfair comparison because we we're in a state now where, like you like you said, everything is news. Like we live in a very uh, data centric society. So like, I mean, the PR machine, like everything has to be promoted through the machine. Versus before, maybe ten, twenty years ago, you only had a few channels. Right. So now, like, it's multi layered, multi channel. So I mean, I think yeah, a lot, a lot of that is organic. A lot of that is forced. Sure. Well, we are uh, continuing the, to. to, to Help the, uh, I, the Apple propaganda machine move forward by talking about the fact that I, Apple is, pre- is prepping a four-inch iPhone for 2016. Now, I thought this was like that's news. Ridiculous. Apparently, it is. <laughs> I thought this is ridiculous when I first heard it, but then I realized that there's so many people that I know, especially in production, that love the old school 
uh, iPhone fours in the high school mm. and iPhone fours because they're like people are like they're like tanks and they're the metal and you can just throw them around and they're you know they're, they're more durable. I don't like these new big flat phones and the fat fancy phones and people really like not when the iPhone fives and the five S's came out. People were kind of like you know liked them a little bit, but they were thinner and they were longer. And then uh, these new iPhone 6s and 6s are, like, flatter and bigger. Right. People prefer that, like, square kind of rectangle, that rectangle thick iPhone. I think the iPhone is recognizing that. Let's bring that back. I don't know. This is this is a theory. This is not a fact that Apple's going to do this, number one. Number two, I don't, know, right. I don't know if people like that. I yeah. think people like what, what they're being sold to, what they're being marketed to. I okay. don't think that there's, like, a millions of people that are like, we want, we want this size yeah. dimension phone. Yeah. Like, I right. don't think it's a demand like that. Right. I never. Right. I don't know anybody who wants. Never mind. <laughs> in my experience, no one wants four inches. Let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> in my, my limited experience, hey, uh, you know, I, I yeah, um, I don't know. I like like I said, like I hear I hear it a lot. I hear it a lot. I don't know people who just like are making excuses because they haven't bought the new phone. You know, people are like. No, I like my iPhone four. Of course, I don't, I don't even want a six. Of course, <laughs> people, people that say that clearly, right. they're not in the financial position to get the new phone. All right, so maybe I'm just being duped. Maybe that's need to come. Yeah, I like my, my I like my three. Yeah, my three is like it's just like a tank. I can uh-huh. just it's way better than that. Your fancy phone okay. Okay. that breaks all the time. All right. Um, next story is speaking is keeping us on the on the Apple chain. Uh, like this is a story talking about don't expect iPhone. F- um, to get cheaper anytime soon, um, people thought like you know. Look, the the, the more iPhones in the, in, that are out and around, the more this technology gets you know to be part of what we're doing. These the phone prices are going to drop down from seven ninety nine. It should drop down. But what what but what Alan's are saying is that's not going to happen because we figured out a way with this whole monthly payment plan. Like, hey man, you can just pay monthly. That what this allows Apple to do is keep the phone prices the same or even even more expensive. Well, they're keeping it expensive because they have such a market share and they have so much domination in the marketplace. Like, like they can, I mean, and people love, they, they created the brand so tough and so strong that people are invested. So right. they're able to um, have have empathy. They're able to take people's emotions and to translate that into, into money, into, into transactions. So, yeah, I mean... Strike when the iron's hot. Yeah. Why not keep raising the prices or keep the prices sustain- sustainable? Like, I, I think, I mean, if you were on top, wouldn't you do the same thing? Why yeah. would you lower your prices? Yeah, I wouldn't. So, I mean, I, I don't I don't think that the market retail value of this phone is how much it costs to make it. No. Like, I think we're definitely getting raped and on that sure, side. But sure, sure. We're, we're done and, and blind, and we'll pay it. Right. I want, I want, I want to pay what they pay. If I, if I pay for this phone, what they pay the kids in China to make it. Um, we, would be, <laughs> we would be a good deal. Super, yeah. Uh, no, I'm sure the kids in China are being treated very fairly to make money. Yeah, phone. man. Um, oh, what, but what do you think about this new this new uh, monetization play in terms of you know paying the monthly and and essentially you're you're taking out a loan from the bank or the bank is paying for the phone. Yeah, and you're having to pay that back to the bank over time. Like, do you like that? Do you think that's a, a good deal? Get a new phone every time they drop one, or you just pay for the you pay the monthly versus straight up. We're essentially talking about a lease, like a leasing program, you know, like, like like you do with, like with the automobile. Exactly. And I, I, I'm pro leasing personally. I like the you know, I am pro leasing. If you have the credit, and you can afford it. Like leasing is a good way to go with your car. Get a new car every two or three years. You know, keep build your credit with the bank. Build your credit rating that way. Um, I don't know that it applies to your six hundred dollar iPhone, okay. but the, I, I do like the idea of I want to. Um, this kind of solves the problem of I do want the new phone every six months. 
I do want it. And I hate, I feel guilty about it, but I do want it every six months. So if, if there's a system in place where I'm just, hey, paying a monthly fee and I get a new phone every six months, every time I, every time I don't, I don't feel as ripped off by Apple. But they're laughing because they're getting more money from me in the long run and they're getting me forever. But I don't know. It's, it's pros and cons. I think I'm okay with it. I think, I think, I think that that's how I could, that's how I'd be able to justify, cause I don't have the iPhone success. I do want the success, but I don't have it because I don't want to do the whole rigmarole, rigmarole, you know. But I think that if I were in the program already, I'd just be swapping them out. So I, I guess that, I, I guess that, that means as I'm talking it out, I'm thinking I'm pro it. Hmm. What do you think? I mean, I, I think it makes sense. Um, yeah, you're paying more money in the long run, but you're always going to want the, I mean, that's, that's the, the gift and curse of technology. Like, you're always going to want the new thing, even though what you have is purely functional and sustainable. Like, but you're always going to want something new. Like, we live in a material-driven world, so I, I, I'm kind of caught on the fence with that. Because yeah, I want, I desire to have the new stuff, but then in a way, what, what it's promoting in terms of mindset. So, right. but me personally, um, I think I think I might adopt this new policy um, because I think I can afford it, and I think it's, it's just a better move. But like socially, what I think it's going to do, I don't think it's good. Right. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I, uh, wait, unpack that. Why, why not socially? Why, why is it not good because, socially? Again, it's promoting like this material-driven thirst um, mindset, this consciousness. Like, hey, uh, new, 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 new. Waste, right. waste, 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 waste. Yeah. Like, not, 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 not. You're taking for granted what you have. You know what I'm saying? Because hey, every year or every six months, I'm gonna sure. get something new. Yeah. Like, it's, it's almost like I think it's called conspicuous consumption. Um, where it's well, that, that, actually, that's when you know get a flat tire, buy a new car, it's conspicuous consumption. But this is this falls under that same you know in that same realm, and I and, and that that can't be good. We can't survive like that as a no. society. Exactly. Like, like like I got a scratch on my headphone. Give me some new beats, <laughs> exactly. you know, <laughs> you know, or or your or, or your boy uh, your boy named Dash. He was very very famous for like popping tags every day. N- right. n- never wore never wore the same pair of socks. Never wore the same t shirt. Never wore the same anything every day. I mean, I guess if you got it like that. You know, <laughs> but I don't know. All right, moving forward, um, Facebook in the, the shocker of the year. This is a, this is just a, this is we we have this story every three months, so um, we'll just have it again. Facebook is Facebook's quarter three Q three ad revenues were up forty five percent, and they made four point three billion dollars on mobile sales um, alone. All, all sales. On all sales, I'm sorry. On all, all sales. sales, I'm sorry. On all sales, but uh, but but 78 percent of all ad sales were mobile. Correct. So they made they made like three billion off that off of mobile. Three point three point four billion, yeah, exactly. yeah, off mobile alone. Um, and that you know that that's just these numbers are like really 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 insane. Okay. Yeah, that's just a quarter. It's crazy. That's just one quarter. I mean, I don't even. I mean, think about that. And like you know, and also like I'm looking at this as like. You know, Facebook. You know, the monthly active users were 1.5 billion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the 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 the. the I don't know, man. Like that's that's that, that's that's a lot of active users, yeah. and I, I I don't know another product that's rivaled it. You know, not at all. I think I think it's phenomenal what they've been able to do in the course of 10 years. Like. Grow, grow something that started on a college campus to really affecting the whole entire world. A billion motherfuckers are on Facebook monthly. Monthly? <laughs> like, and, the- and, and not just that, like, most of them are on their phone. Yeah. Like, integrating, communicating, posting, researching. Yeah, which, like, which says, I mean, they, they, like, they were really ahead of the game in that because no one really foresaw that mobile was the future because when you know, not even three years ago, people were like tripping on like mobile, yeah, man. But like 
you know, people are using, people aren't walking around with their laptops. Hell. You know, no one has a laptop under their arm and stopping. Hold on, let me check my Facebook. Like, that's like, yeah. and, and the funny thing, that was, that's how people envisioned it. Exactly. Like, oh, you can, you can have your laptop. And when you say it like that, like, why would you do that? I know. <laughs> I know you wouldn't, but it's funny, like, in the, in the 10 year life of Facebook, I would say seven of those, the, the big, the big thing with Facebook was like, oh, and good news, you're going to be able to kick your laptop with you and check right. it everywhere you go. Right. But then it was like, not until three years ago, people were like, you know, really, it's going to be mobile. Yeah. And now it's all, it's 78% mobile. It's Do you crazy. think that number's going to go up? Oh, without a question, without a question. I mean, we, we, we covered this last week when we were talking about Google and what they're doing in terms of uh, their, their, their search game, in terms of the ad revenue that they're making. And you can see the transition. You can see the regime, the regime change, how a lot of their desktop um, ad revenue was starting to decrease, and their mobile ad revenue was starting to in- increase. So it's across the it's across the whole the whole universe in terms of companies and how their mon- monetiz- how the monetization play they're doing with their products. It's all mobile driven. So I think it's definitely going to rise because again, as we we're just saying, more people are going to have more access to smartphones in the world. They they Apple's competitors will have to lower their prices, which will give more access to people. So people people will be able to use Facebook, use Google, use all these apps as opportunities to be able to drive e- economy. So I definitely see it as an increase. Yeah. And then what Facebook is doing specifically with virtual reality, with Oculus Rift, um, oh, yeah. the satellites they're putting up, oh. like all sorts of stuff. So. The drones that they bought, you know, like, I mean, yeah. Uh, okay. I, I, I'm, yeah. It's, it's a, more, more, more world domination by, by the Zuck. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not mad. Congratulations to Facebook. You own everything. Um, speaking of owning everything, Google, Google, Google jumped the line here. Remember all this, all this talk about Amazon, 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 Amazon's going to get the drones, Amazon's going to be delivering stuff, Amazon, Amazon, Amazon. Now Google, Google's like, hey man, 2017, our drones will be delivering packages. Mm-hmm. We're announcing it. Uh, what do you think of this? What do you make of this? I mean, I mean that it's still it's still a, a battle. They have to get the um, the FAA to approve it, um, and they're not going to do that until I think a year or maybe a year and a half from now. Right. So, I mean, that's a, lot, a long time. A lot could happen in a year, a year and a half from now. So, we'll see. Um, I don't think, I don't know. Like, it's, a, it's another thing where I'm like, again, on the fence about. Like, I, I think it, it'll, it could be great in terms of uh, commerce and how we ship and deliver goods and products. But also, it could be like very uh, destructive to our to our environment right. in terms of having stuff in the air that could fall and potentially kill people or just the the pollution of it um, how that's managed like like what you know regulations and legalities are put in place to keep people safe and and when you look up and you see all this shit flying in the air like right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying like it'll change it'll change our environment so right. like I'm I'm interested to see how the policy the policymakers you know design what's feasible or if, or, for, or if this is maybe ten years out versus two years out, I don't know. Like, right. what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I yeah, I, I feel like it's coming. I just, I just can't wrap my head around, you know, all the obvious questions that we ask about kids throwing rocks at it and like, you know, drones or like, you know, multiple drones. I mean, like, I, like, I can't wrap my head around the whole, um, you know, a fleet of drones flying in the sky like that. That's being the norm. And having something like, you know, landing and then taking off. And then having, you know, um, I don't know, man. I mean, I, if, if I'm, I'm telling you right now, as, as a, a, a impetuous 12-year-old, 13-year-old Joe Braswell may or may not have 
want to like take a slingshot to the drone and oh ride. definitely <laughs> you know definitely uh, so I don't know I don't I don't it just I, I, don't, I don't get it. I, it, it sounds it's one of the things that sounds good on paper. I just I, I still can't wrap my head around the practicality of it. But then again, I can't wrap my head around the practicality of having the world in my hand on my phone. Yeah. So I, well, I don't know. I disagree with that. You, I think you could envision this. You could see that this was a, a native thing that would happen over a course of time. I, in, in many respects, you could argue that with drones too. But I don't. Eventually, I think it's going to happen. I think the, the the dialogue is like when, like right. it's going to happen within five years or within fifteen years, right? Fair enough. Um, this story, this next story, is really <laughs> this is so interesting to me. Amazon is opening a bookstore. Like, like the, the the thing is, you know, Amazon killed the bookstore, so now it's opening one. Like you know, and, and you know, Amazon not 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 unlike uh, Steve Jobs and Apple did, and, and, and iTunes did with the music store, Tower Records, and others. But you know, the, no more Borders books. No more Walden books. I mean, the only one left standing is Barnes and Noble, yeah. um, which I which I still love, and a lot of those have closed. Yeah, um, but there's still there's still some big flagship Barnes and Nobles around, and and, uh, and they're still great. I still love to go to them. Of course, um, Amazon's opening a bookstore, a brick and mortar physical bookstore in Seattle, their first one, and their thing is like it's just a big advertisement for them. Like they people like going to bookstores, people like browsing physical books. Um, for them, it doesn't cost them that much money to open up and maintain a bookstore, and it's it's, it's like a big advertising campaign. Uh, and if if, hey, if 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 it adds to their bottom line or their whatever 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 their bottom line is of you know, three hundred billion dollars, then great. Um, what do you think of this? I mean, I I think it's a great case study for them. Um, I know that they don't need to have a brick and mortar store, so I think it's more so the perception. Like of seeing Amazon as a brick and mortar, and 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 maybe like raising the awareness in that specific market, and then when people actually walk into the store, like they're able to access books that you know you would find on Amazon for the same amount for the same price point. So I think that's kind of cool because people do like the experience, and I think that they might be speaking to that. Like it's not just product centric. So maybe they're they're trying to speak to them in a different sensory way. Like okay, come in and experience touching the book, looking through. The books on the shelf and, and making your selects versus scrolling and boom, 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 bam. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, whether or not, I, I mean, and because they killed the brick and mortar, like they are in a great position to revive it. Like their brand is that strong. Yeah. So I think it's a smart move actually. And, and then they could, I mean, it's also a real estate play. Sure. So they're buying real estate, which in a way is going to add more value to them as a company as well. So I I I I love still to this day love going inside of Barnes and Noble. I was just in there and I I, I love the idea of that. I really missed the bookstore. I think that there's some definitely some room in. I mean, like the Apple Store still proves it. I mean, they they they're actually selling physical uh, you know products that, the, that you could just buy online. And Apple mm-hmm. does have a mechanism in the Apple Store, uh, the online Apple Store, to, to be able to do that. But the Apple stores are still very, very popular. So I think that there's, there's there's something to be said if you can come up with a new way and a cool des- way of making these stores destinations. I mean, I think there's a lot of room there. That's exactly it. Like, I don't know. Have you been to Century City Mall? Have you seen the Tesla store? Yes. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's great. Like, st- so stuff like that. I, if, if it's cool like that, if it, the experience of walking in, like when you go into an Apple store, if, if Amazon is able to like replicate that, I think that they might be winning with this the strategy. So yeah, okay. Uh, I'm interested to see why they they picked um, Seattle as as a as a the first you know store opening versus. Uh, Oklahoma, somewhere in Oklahoma, or I think it's close to home. I think, okay. I think it's a home base thing. I mean, I think that they can keep an eye on it. It's just like you know, 
It's you know they 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 can the test store, um, I imagine, but we'll see. Um, uh, we talked we talked last week about Snapchat and um, James Bond coming in. Well, Snapchat um, Snapchat is doing had this thing with peanuts. I'm not sure what this is. Um, they have these Halloween themed ads. Is what they what they've done. Uh, they're using these sort of Snapchat stars. I'm like, what, what is this? Like, it's like basically, essentially, it's 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 a it's an app where you take a selfie and a selfie video, or whatever, and it's an overlay of Snoopy, of, exactly. Right. And then you can open your mouth or smile, and then there there's candy that goes into your mouth. Got it. So, so it's, it's I a, mean, it's it's kind of a, a gimmicky play, but I mean, it, it's. For 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 who oh, they're targeting, I think it's 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 thing. pretty smart. So, got it. So yeah, so so Snapchat lens is that you know the the thing. Obviously, you can have you know heat vision coming out of your eyes or right. rainbows coming out of your you know whatever. And so that's uh, it, to have these sponsored. That's a that's a good, that's great. Yeah, uh, Star Wars is doing this already. Not on Snapchat, but their app allows you to do this. Allows you to take right. all these Star Star Wars selfies. You can have Princess Leia buns, and you can be frozen in carbonite and right. share that and. That, that 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 seems to work very well. So yeah, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with this either. Um, speaking of peanuts movie, uh, mm-hmm. it comes out tomorrow. Um, people are excited about this movie. I I don't know, man. I don't I don't really care about it. But the reviews are good. People are excited about it. It's kind of, it's, it's computer generated, but in but 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 kind of a two D feel, not unlike South Park, but a little but a little you know, better than that. I don't understand. It's actually three D. It's in three. No, I'm saying it's, oh. but it's a two D feel. Like oh. they're like the way they move are like very oh, much like two D. But the movie's in three D. Right, right, right. So I'm assuming that's for depth and everything else. What do you make of this? What do I make of, of the no. fact that people are are excited about the movie? Let me phrase that. Are you excited about the movie? Heck no. Okay. <laughs> are you were you a Peanuts guy? Not really. I mean, I, I watched it as a kid. Um, Comic strip or nothing? Yeah, okay. yeah. But it didn't really resonate with me. It didn't stick with me. Like, oh, that's part of my childhood. Like, I so no. Nah, I don't have those type of uh, emotive feelings about it. Like, I mean, obviously, it's, it's a it's a classic, iconic thing, part of American of iconic um, character, a part of American culture, but. Right. Like I don't, I don't know me personally, it's not something that uh, I'm running to the theaters to see. Me so. neither. I never, it never ever really resonated with me either, um, in in any capacity. Um, I you know none of the gags I like. I mean, I think at some point as a kid, like the, the whole Snoopy and the Red Baron thing, and the right. the, 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 the Thanksgiving uh, Christmas special and Thanksgiving special and Christmas special are, are sort of classics. But it never really resonated with me. And like I do like that they're they're giving my boy Franklin some dap. The the one the black peanut. Uh, Franklin, uh, he's got a, you know he he's he's showing up like in a, in a, in a big way, which is one of the main characters. So uh, I I'm, 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 I got my out for Franklin. I want to see what he's although he has a hockey he has like a hockey puck in in his uh, right a, a hockey stick in his in his poster, which I don't you know I don't know. I mean I, I I do kind of you know it gets me thinking now in terms of like the the transgenerational element of the, the cartoon and like what cartoons were a part of my generation and maybe maybe even my parents' generation that are still alive and kicking. We talk about James Bond in this sense, how a franchise could last o- over half a century. So I, I was just thinking, like, what other, like, cartoons are there like that that, you know, kids or families or people still integrate with that may- maybe are 50 years old or 40 years old or, or, or decades old, you know what I'm saying? Well, the two the, t- the two of them are brand. The, the, the two biggest ones I can think of are, are, are brands. Right. Uh, you know, in Mickey Mouse and Disney and, and 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 Bugs Bunny, Warner Brothers. 
you know, like the whole bugs. But when has there been a a, a Mickey Mouse movie that dropped? Yeah, well, well they, but, that's they, what I'm saying. They've got channels, and Mickey has a show, a, a hit show on right now, the I Disney mean, Channel. But I mean, film. That's what right. I mean. Yeah, I know TV. It, yeah. But, I, I wouldn't be surprised if one's coming. I wouldn't be surprised right. if one's coming. They, that, that would do well. I mean, they have that they have that big video game launch, uh, starring Mickey and all the characters. They have like I mean, they've, they've been doing a lot of things. I would be shocked if there's not something in the works. Uh, I mean, when, when's the last time there's been a Mickey Mouse movie? There was I, that, I can't even there, tell you. There was that Mickey and the Giant, the Taylor when he was like the Taylor, and he was like fighting the giant with the you know the thing. So hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, brand new Star Wars posters are out, and they are dope. They are. They are very cool. Um, I, I noted this the first thing when, when, when my boy sent this to me yesterday morning. I'm like, still suspiciously, no Luke. Mm-hmm. No Luke. But so, uh, you know, what, everybody's got the theories. What are your theories? As to why there's no Luke? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's something that they're not um, revealing that's going to happen in the movie. And so and, I think there might be some type of transitionary element that they're injecting into the, the new narrative. I don't know. But I don't think they want to spoil that. And so maybe there's a there's something that happened to him, or some type of transformation he went through. And so they don't want to showcase that look yet in the posters and promote it. Or Oh, that's the, good. Or the fact that I mean he's such an integral character to the narrative of Star Wars, like just to just to take him out is a conversation piece, like to get people talking, like why, what's happening? Like I think that's a smart play too. It might be he might just be the regular dude, like the same dude. Like, well, well yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like it's me, I'm Luke. A uh, couple of things there. I think that um, uh, I got my my theory is that obviously it's, it's a plot point. J.J. Abrams revealed like obviously it's it's it, you'll find out. It's, that's like it's a key plot point. You'll know why when you watch the movie why Luke's not there. Um, he's in the trailer. You know, is uh, he? His hands in the trailer. His, his his robotic hand is reaching up on a on, on, on a. Is he? I mean, that looked like Luke's hand to me on R two. Okay, it could be someone else's hand. The robotic hand. The so one he's, that got he's, chopped he's off. the only one that can have that hand. <laughs> That's very true. So I, I, my assumption is that he's he's in the, in the trailer because he's narrating the trailer. Right. He's like you know, um, you know, I have it. He shows a hand. My father has it. Right. My sister has it. You know, so whatever that is, he's got some weird voice. Um, the other thing is, you know, Mark Hamill's made a, quite a name for himself as a um, voice actor. Like mm. he's really ramped up. He's the voice of the Joker. He's the voice. He's the voice of a lot of different folks, mm-hmm. and that's kind of his shtick now. Is, is, is he makes all of his money in, as a very famous sort of like character voice actor and does a thousand different character voices. I think that Luke, something is going to happen to Luke where he's mm-hmm. going to be having like a Darth Vader like. I think he's going to go to the dark side. I think he's going to have a Vader like transformation. Um, and he'll be on the dark side. I think that he, his face will be covered again or something will happen and we'll be getting some weird voice. It'll be, it'll be, it's a good opportunity for Mark Hamill to just be doing his voices. Maybe he's like, I don't want to be in the, maybe I just want to do crazy voices. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see whatever it is. It's, it's more, uh, Mark getting, getting able to show, showcase his out, talents as a voice actor. So right. I think that's kind of probably where we don't see him, uh, which sort of falls in line with what you're saying, this whole transitional element of like his face or he's a robot or whatever. And the other thing is just like in Star Wars and, 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 and Empire Strikes Back, Obi-Wan showed up. He got killed. He was the whole movie. He was a, you know, a floating around as a specter. That, that's a theme of Star Wars. Right. He shows up in, in Empire Strikes Back, like Luke. Like he shows up, you know, there. Yoda shows up later at the end of Return of the Jedi. There, there's, there's Yoda and uh, Luke and, uh, sorry, Yoda and Ben and 
Anakin Skywalker altogether. Right. You know, um, so, you know. I mean, I, I think, I don't know, this is just me theorizing, but I think it would be of, of most interest if they were to transition Luke from being, you know, the protagonist more to a villain, villainized type of character. So yeah. I think that that would be an interesting play and just to see, you know, how that all, um, how that all, uh, I guess how that pushes all the characters in a, in a, in a certain direction if he, if he takes such a, a 180 turn, you know. So. That would be that's a very interesting twist, and uh, hopefully he, he could have another. He can have a Vader esque, you know, sort of like arc where he starts one way and then ends up another. Right. Um, you know, Vader started as a bad guy in, 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 in Episode Four and ended up a hero in, 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 in Episode right. um, Five Six. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Maybe he'll, maybe that'll be the same the same arc for my man Luke. Um, Vulture did a thing on the 25 best on-screen female superheroes, something that I, I, I like a lot. It's, it's interesting. It's just, it's just, you know, some of my old, some of my favorites, you know, uh, Jamie Summers is Bionic Woman. I love, of course. Uh, I mean, these are all great, but of course, number one, uh, well, number one is Buffy, which I don't necessarily agree with, but one for me, number one is Linda Carter, Diana Prince. Seventy-five to seventy-nine. That's my number one on-screen on-screen female person. Uh, and then, of course, rounding out the top ten, you have Jennifer Lawrence as as, as Mystique. Um, shots fired at a at um whatever her name is um the other blonde girl who plays Mystique. Oh my God, Rebecca Romaine. Um, Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff. Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. Famke Jensen as Doctor Gray. Halle Berry as Storm. Ming Na Wen as, as Melinda May. Chloe Bennett as Daisy Johnson, and then Lindsay Wagner as Jamie Summers. Like, what? What's the criteria of a female superhero on screen? Is it just how tight their shit is? I think it's um, the criteria is their sex appeal has to be. Their, I mean, I mean, based on based on this list, um, their sex appeal and their ability to whoop ass. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, you want to? I mean, you want to see a sexy chick just fucking shit up? That's dope. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's empowering. It's empowering to people to see that, and I think. Um, yeah, like it's it's just dope. It's dope. What do we feel about the fact that Rebecca Romaine is number fourteen as Mystique, and then, but <laughs> I mean, but uh, you know, it's the, it's the old, old Jennifer Lawrence is number three as Mystique. It's the person that's curating editing editing this list is probably someone that's a little a little younger, you know? Yeah, that's true. So. Okay, and I mean, come on, Doug. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know. That is, that is kind of an interesting interesting uh, like fourteen. Yeah. I mean, Jennifer Lawrence is dope. I don't know if she's, she's dope. dope in that role. Right. You know? I mean, she's dope. But, yeah. I mean, you know, she's, yeah, she's, she's, I, I believe her. I, that's the way. I, she's in my other, in my category of I believe them. Like, right next to Matt Damon. I believe everything Jennifer Lawrence is, whatever she's doing, I believe it. Yeah. So, she's on point. Uh, okay, so rounding out, Bond is coming out tonight at midnight, maybe earlier in some markets, like 7 or 8 o'clock, so maybe some 8 o'clock showings in some markets in your market. Um, what what they've been doing a lot is in addition to the crazy amount of marketing as people have been talking about binge-watching and uh, why does it got to binge-watch all the Bond movies, which I haven't really done in a while. I think when I was about 15 years ago, I did, I did, I did a good old-fashioned binge-watch. But I haven't really done a binge watch in, in the era of binge watching. When the hell would you have time to do that? It's I over mean, over two dozen films. It's over twenty four films. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Like, you know, I mean, let's say each film is two hours. Like, Doug, that's like two three weeks of just Bond. That's a 
lot. I don't know. I don't know. And people, it's so interesting how this how, Maybe how, not what, that long. what how long how um how long tail this is because every time there's a new Bond movie, everyone feels like there feels a need to go revisit all the Bonds, you know, and uh, and and all they all go back on sale again, and they all get new packaging, and they all you know, it's a I think it's a really crazy long tail franchise for the for the broccoli family and and for MGM, I guess, but. I don't know. What, what's your what's your favorite Bond film? Who's your favorite Bond? Oh man, um, I, I love the current iteration. Um, Daniel, I, I think the Daniel Craig. Yeah, I think they've done very well um, utilizing him as an actor and him playing that role. Like, I, I think I, I can't I can't pinpoint out of out of any of the newer films one that is sorry. Like, I think they're all like they all stand strong. You know, like Casino Royale, dope. Um, what was the what was the very last one? Oh, Skyfall. Skyfall, excellent. Roger like, Deakins, man. Roger Deakins and like, the cinematography was on point. Yeah, like, I mean, and, and that's the thing. I, I'm, I'm appreciating it because, obviously, the international play, but the way that it's shot, like, it's, right. it's shot so beautifully, and when they go to different parts of the world, like, it, it has its own feel to it. And I yeah. appreciate that about it. So, and obviously, the action, um, the, the sexuality, all of that stuff is, is dope. The classic, the class, the classiness of it all. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know. I mean, but then I still like some of the, the classics too. So, what about you? Um, I gotta go. It's weird. I, you know, my people like go whatever whatever their bond is. So, like, my mom is all about uh, Sean Connery, and my bond was one of the corniest bonds. My bond was Roger Moore, who you know in the earlier in the seventies he was cool. In the eighties he was kind of like overweight and a little whatever. <laughs> it's all like a joke, but uh, that was my he was my bond. Like so, so I don't know. But the thing about this is. For me, is the, the the what I found about all these Bond movies is there's a definite like look, the older I get, and the more I look back on Bond, um, every single Bond of every era is never as good as I thought they were, except for Sean Connery yeah. and Roger Craig. Yeah. So when I think about like like I remember when Pierce Brosnan got it, mm. I was like finally like that's pretty he was supposed to get it a lot you know back in the uh, before Roger Dalton got it, but he got right. Remington Steele, and so he did Remington Steele the TV show, and then Roger Roger Dalton got it. Um, and did it for two, you know, I think his name is Roger Dalton. Um, um, whatever his Roger name is. Roger Moore? No, Timothy Dalton, excuse me. Timothy Dalton got it and did it, Timothy Dalton did it for two, for two or three movies and, uh, and didn't do well. He was the worst to me. Timothy Dalton was terrible right. as a Bond. He was, he was the worst. Those movies, like those movies, don't, if you go back and watch those movies, the, the, the Living Daylights and, uh, and uh, wait, it's the Living Daylights and there's another one. They, they don't, do not hold up at all. Um, however, when he did come back finally and got GoldenEye, uh, I thought it was perfect. But watch those movies now, they're all corny. Super corny. The, all the Pierce, the, the Pierce, Tomorrow Never Dies, you know, GoldenEye, the one with Halle Berry, yeah. like, they're all corny as hell. Yeah. Uh, and, and Living Daylights is also doesn't hold up. Then you go back, then you got to go back to the Roger Moore days. Most of those don't hold up either. Right. Like, I mean, some of them do, but but like, especially well, the I, later ones. I think it's I think it's the prism in which you're viewing it as well. Are you juxtaposing the new iteration to the old iteration? Of course, it's not going to hold up. Well, I they didn't just, have the techno- They didn't have the cinematic technology to be able to execute right. some of the the action sequences. But are you saying it doesn't hold up it's in terms of the? The dialogue, the I just mean, the arc of the story. For me, when I was watching those Roger Moore movies, I mean, I think the in all fairness, I think the first half of the Roger Moore movies works. The back half, starting at Moonraker, starts to get ridiculous. I mean, Moonraker is is fucking ridiculous. 
he's in a space shuttle. There's that big space. It was they're trying to capitalize on the success of Star Wars, so they're in there shooting lasers at each other. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> so it's really the, the the battle in the space station at the end of Moonraker is probably the most one of the ridiculous things in a Bond film ever. Uh, the, although the opening scene of Moonraker, them jumping out of a plane with no parachute, is probably one of the dopest things in a Bond movie ever. Most of the opening sequences hold up across the board. Hmm. All the Roger Moore opening sequences, all the opening sequences for the most part uh, hold up. Right, but. I don't know, man. I just feel like they're they're really they really hit their stride. I feel like the I, I got to jump from um, from Sean Connery, and I got to jump all the way to my man. Uh, they got they're getting it right with um, Daniel Craig. They're completely getting it right, man. Um, and and uh, he he just did an interview basically saying like, "Don't throw dirt on me yet." I know I said that shit, but I was mad. Like I'm right. not gone yet. Right. No one, you know. So sorry. Don't get mad at me. What do you, do you think he's coming back? I think yeah. I think he has one more in the tank. Okay. I was just looking at this though, man. How much do you think all of the Bond movies have grossed? Oh my god! Um, how much money? Oof. Um, uh, Twenty-four Bond films. I'm gonna say. I mean, total like up a DVD, everything else. Not just box office. Box office. Yeah. Okay, twenty-four Bond films. I'm gonna say ten billion. Okay, so yeah, you're 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 a little under. So about eleven billion. Wow. And so Mark Zuckerberg fucking made that in one quarter. <laughs> He's like, I found that my couch cushion. <laughs> yes. Man, that's crazy. That's right? crazy. 50 years of like making that. movies, this classic film franchise, and he made it. In, he the, made half of that in one quarter the, the, <laughs> off the, of Facebook. The, the Broccoli family and, and MGM and, and In Fleming family are patting themselves in the back. We did it. <laughs> and, and Zuckerberg's like, good job, guys. I'll, I'll see if I can beat you next quarter. I'll see if I can beat your life's work in one quarter. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> that, that's a crazy stat. Uh, we got to get out of here. Really, really quick, let's touch on some things. Um, uh, I saw Steve Jobs. I liked it a lot. We'll talk, we'll talk about it you know, more. It's, you know, it's, 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 I liked it a lot. Very talky, very, 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 very uh, Aaron Sorkin y, uh, pretty much like a play, but it was, it was very good. Um, what else we have? There is, oh, uh, Activision buys Blizzard. Activision Blizzard buys Candy Crush maker King. Candy Crush is huge, mm-hmm. huge, huge, huge. King is cannot be bigger. How much do you? What do I think you're the answer? Five point six billion dollars. Yeah. Activision paid. Yeah, they they paid six billion with a B. Six Bs. Candy Crush. Wow. That 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 is that's something. They have a user base of 500 million every month, which is half of half of uh, Facebook. That's huge. That's huge. (laughs) So everyone's like, "Hey, it's not bad. It's half what I got." Uh, But you got to think, most of the people that uh, adopted Candy Crush did it because of Facebook, right? Getting those fucking game invites all the time, or that's that's yeah, that's Facebook. I mean, also, you know, you know, who I feel bad for this and all in all this, who I feel the worst for is. I can't remember the name of it. What's the farm? The farm? Farmville. Farmville. Yeah. Farmville was the shit. And now it's like nobody's talking about Farmville. Yeah. Farmville's got pushed to the side. <laughs> the poor Farmville guys was like, he was rich. Man. I wonder if he boned and they cashed out. I hope they hope they sold, hope sure, they sold and I'm cashed sure, out. I'm sure they did. And live in a real farm somewhere. And now they're like not holding out like the Snapchat guys did. Because Farmville is dead. Man. I don't know. All right. That's all I got. Um, anything else before we get out of here? No, nah, man. Uh Nah, I think I think that's good, man. Okay. Um, Have you seen um, what's my movie? Um, we never talked about it. Uh, oh, the, the I'm drawing a blank now. The uh, the the drug cartel movie. Uh, oh, 
Sicario? Yeah, Sicario. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just seen it. That was pretty dope. I oh, love yeah. That. Sicario yeah. is incredible. Are you a wolf, Joe? Uh, <laughs> is that, is that the Sicario line there? <laughs> yeah, are you a wolf? Uh, <laughs> I have to be a wolf, I guess, in, 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 that, in, this, in this series, in this, in this instance, um, in that, in, under that iteration. Uh, I do. I do like the idea. Just really quickly on Sicario, how it's like you know uh, this guy uh, Chris Ryan characterized it as a war movie, and it's really just sort of about like it's like the apocalypse now of the, of, of the drug cartel. It's really more because in in that it's not about you know resolutions or answers. It's just about this is what we're doing and this is what it is and you know war is hell and we're at war. So get ready. I don't know. I have a different take. I What's think it take? is about a resolution. It's, it's, it's a vendetta. It's a, it's a personal resolution. Like you killed my family. No, in that movie, but, I'm, but I think <laughs> I think the larger when we talk about we think about the drug oh, the, the drug oh, okay. war yeah, in yeah, a larger yeah, yeah. sense. It's not the, the way there. There is no resolution. It can never be. There, well, but there's there's no resolution. But uh, okay, uh, be uh, there's no resolution. But there is the question becomes like. Um, what are our methods to to, to battle this? Our, our methods are this is in other words, this is taking. This is not a a police situation. This is not federal. I mean, this is not a, a local police situation. This isn't a federal FBI situation. This is a CIA militarized situation. You got like seal you, know, you seal team six going in yeah. and 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 dealing with the cartels on a CIA level. And that's nothing new. I'm, I'm confused with what you're saying. The way we deal, the way we're dealing with the drugs. The way we're publicly fighting the war on drugs, if he, theoretically, I'm not. I know we're having this. This is a multi-layered conversation. But let me just just stick with me on this tact. The way we physically uh, battle the war on drugs, you know, in the in the Reagan Nazi era, going to war on drugs has been mostly in a law for a strictly law enforcement thing with DEA and whatever. Of course, now. What they're saying is this is not a law enforcement level. This is a this is a military operation. Is what they're saying. Now, how if what you want to talk about about like how you know how complicit you know those administrations have been dating back to Nixon and you know and, and through Reagan and through Bush forty one and Bush forty three even Clinton like how complicit they've been in sort of like allowing the drugs to come in this country. Sure. You know, but I'm just mean like the, the, for the purposes of this movie, like what we see is you know like di- what's difference between this and Traffic, the movie Traffic, the Steven Soderbergh movie, is the like the the we've escalated how we have to fight this drug war. You know, that's all. What do you what do you say? I don't know, man. Maybe we could tell that I, I have a lot of takes on that um, because I, I don't agree, I don't agree with that. I don't think we've escalated. I think it's it's always been um, a, a CIA run operation. Well, yeah. Either I mean. Yeah, I'll just I'll just put it like that. Yeah, well, okay. And so, and so I mean, when you, when it's un, being unveiled in this movie, like that part didn't surprise me. Like in terms of like the the greater dialogue of the movie, the takeaway of the movie, like like that wasn't that wasn't the shocking part to me. Like, oh, it's it's not on a, a localized level the fight against the war on drugs. Like to me, it's always been on an international level. Clearly, most of the the drugs drug trafficking comes from outside of the United States. So obviously, that already. Brings in the CIA element, CIA elements. Not so. publicly. But what? That, but, that's, but that's not how it's been. That's not how it's portrayed to, to, to the American people. That's not how it's portrayed. Like we're not allowed to do that. That's the whole point. Legally, we okay, can't. What, I you, get, what you're saying I, I is not legal. Part. I get that <laughs> okay. part. I get that. We're part. just saying like this. This is Emily Blunt's whole thing. Like none of this is legal. No, like, I, get that part. A, I work for the federal government. I I have the highest. And authority. You're, you're saying to you that's that's shocking. 
No, no, it's shocking. I just thought it was cool. Oh. They, they would, like, I'm not saying like this. I can't believe the CIA oh. is involved. Like I'm just saying, like it's it's, it's cool to be able to like the, to ask those questions for the more naive folks, even more less naive than me. Like, wow, I, you know, the war on drugs isn't your local cop busting some you know drug dealers in the corner. Right. It's not the DEA or the FBI doing a sting operation on a you know on a, on a drug dealer or even a drug cartel. Right, right. It's more more serious than that. It's military operations <laughs> that, are, that involve like heat, you know, night vision and SEAL teams and all kind of other stuff going on. Yeah, That's all drones and drones and all kind of other stuff going on. Uh, before we get out, I do want to mention our, we forgot to mention our, our wonderful people, our friends at DraftKings, um, who still are doing. We're still doing our thing with DraftKings. I still am doing my fantasy football. I'm, I'm doing great in my personal league. I'm also doing pretty good on, on, on DraftKings as well. DraftKings is a system if you don't know that allows you to play fantasy football every single week with a brand new team, a brand new uh, set of players. You don't have to. You don't have to join a whole a league and wait 16 weeks to get to do anything else. You can get your money every single week. In fact, DraftKings makes a brand new millionaire one million dollars every single week. So you can join DraftKings now. It's it, it's it's a it's a life changing payday. What you can do here. You can uh, sign up and use the promo code GEEK. Go to DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Use our promo code GEEK, G-E-E-K. Uh, you can play free and for a shot at your, for your shot, the $1 million for this week or next week. Um, and not too many weeks in the football season left, but there's also fantasy. They do baseball. They do basketball. They do all those other things. So be sure to check all that out. Uh, they make a new millionaire each week. Um, and so that's say, DraftKings.com. Check it out. And welcome to the big time. <laughs> That's there, all I got. There it is. There it is. All right. Um, let's get out of here. That's all I got. We can talk more about Sicario and the drug game later. But uh, good performances by Emily Blunt and and uh, your boy Josh Brolin and your boy Benicio del Toro. Yeah, man. And a lot of other crazy, like really well done supporting f- performances. Man, and we we mentioned great it, acting. We Rumble. mentioned it before. I, I mentioned Roger Deakins who shot Skyfall. Roger Deakins shot this, and the, he's. He's like the best man. Like he's I'm, the best cinematographer. We talk like, about it offline. Ever. We're offline. Once, well, we'll talk about it. All right, it's Roger Deakins, y'all. Check him out. Uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week on Geek Nerd Tech. From producers Maria Menounos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. That Hollywood redefined the views expressed here are those of the host owner and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals